This week's episode is brought to you by resources. The stuff you need to do, well, anything. Your car, the Nazis, the human body. Everyone's got to use resources. Resources. Because my sister kicks my ass at Settlers of Catan. Hey everybody, welcome to Nexus at Night. I'm Atlas. And I'm Matt. And there's no Gabe this week. Uh, Gabe got a little tied up with uh, his own engagements, and we also apologize for missing a week, but life gets in the way, so sucks. Uh, what? Just just move life around. <laughs> what, is, what is that? Is, is life like a physical object you can... Yeah, you just, you just... Uh, oh, I don't want life to, to, have, to interfere with this. I'm going to move life instead of moving the thing, you know? Yeah. Um, Clearly. Exactly. But we made it 41 episodes uh, without missing a week, so I count that as a win, I guess. Um, it's close enough. Yeah. So today we're... To this, what? Go ahead. I listen to this one podcast called Constructed Resources. Yeah. They update like once every like three months or something, maybe. Yeah. It's pretty funny. So they like just randomly update sometimes. I'm just like, what is this? I mean, I guess that, give, that gives them the... Uh, the ability to kind of just do whatever they want, like. I, I mean, it's about it's it's also about a card game, so they can't really do whatever they want. Yeah, but I but, mean, but but just like the the idea of, uh, oh, it, it, because they update so infrequently. When they do update, it's like a big deal. Um, uh, I, I wish it. I wish that were the case. Yeah, like the guy who runs it runs a different podcast called Limited Resources, which is uh, magic, updates right? incredibly frequently. Like pushing four hundred episodes or something. Yeah, so it's like a, his uh, pet project is the yep aforementioned thing. Well, if the uh, title of the episode and what uh, what we just mentioned weren't indication enough, we're talking about uh, the concept of resources in Vanguard, um, and what we mean by that is uh, in usually in order for cards to do stuff, uh, you need to pay a cost to do stuff. So that includes Counterblast, Soul, and uh, I guess hand cards, depending on the clan. Um, but Alice, yeah, <laughs> the new Ganslot they just showed doesn't cost anything. Okay, it in fact gives you more stuff. Wait, isn't this the thing I was bitching about, and you were giving me shit for yesterday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna bring it up right now. Okay. Because, because while while no individual like. Okay, the stupid part of this card is not that it's disgustingly well. There's also a, you know the G zone resistibility, right? But that's the G zone, which is probably the more. So when it's face up in G zone, oh that it gives all your units with blaster blade in their name in yeah. front row resist for literally no reason. All right, so the problem I have with this card is not that I think the effect is like really broken. I think it's just a clearly power creeped, like. Nothing shows you power creep more than strict upgrades over other cards. Yeah. I guess I'll say that. It's... Nice uh, Nice x Nice uh, Chrono Fang Rebellion. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh... No, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um... So we look at the cost of x right? And x requires, first of all, your Vanguard to attack. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. With power 45 or 40,000 or more. And then, then you have to counterblast one, flip up a copy, and then or flip up a, anything, I think, and then it gains quad drive. 
And then, if it's power 45,000 or greater, then it gets um, it gives your front row front row rear guards 4K for every face up X gallop in G zone, right? Yeah. And there is no additional effect on this card at all. So already this card requires a counter blast. It requires enough energy to give your Vanguard 45,000 power for the full effect. So with the stride skill of the original gallop, you would need another four pumps. Or with the stride skill of the burst gallop, because this is a burst unit, you would need another three pumps. Which could come to playing either three cards from hand or a counter blast in a card from hand or something of the sort. Yeah. So we're already looking at two counterblasts and let's say two counterblasts and a card to let's to get it to forty five thousand, right? Oh wait, no, there's a counterblast for the burst gallop too. So three counterblasts and a card. Yeah. Um, and if you look at Chrono Fang, his skill is what bind a card from hand and from play. Yeah, to get your and he, uh, quad drive and crit. Yeah, and he gains quad drive and a crit. So that's two cards, and no counterblast. Right? Yeah. Where Gancelot requires, no, well, not just not not just not a counterblast. He requires you to countercharge one, and gains quad drive and possibly a crit, and then later he still has an effect later in the game of giving your front row blaster blades resist. What? Yeah. This this is spooking a lot of people. I think just because there initially there is no cost at the beginning of the effect. So, yeah. Like there's no counterblast. There's no soul blast too. There's no that kind of stuff. So people are just looking at it uh, and going, "Well, this is more than free. This just gives you shit for free." Um. And so I believe the way the card is worded. You can correct me on this if I'm wrong. Is that you need to countercharge to gain this effect? Uh, let's see. No, it. Wait. Hmm. Yes. You, like countercharging is the first thing that happens. So let me let me take a quick glance at the card again, so I don't say something stupid. Which I mean, I'm going to do anyway, but I might as well try to uh, mitigate okay. it as much as possible. But. So. I just wanted to kind of, you know, use this as kind of a nice segue into resources. Let's see. It says, when this unit attacks, you have a hard card, blah, blah, blah. Countercharge one. And then, oh, no, it's just you don't even need to countercharge. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, the, oh, so you don't even need to do that. The cost, quote unquote, is Alfred or Blaster. Um, oh, no. And then not so much a cost. More Say of a it isn't so. What do you mean? That's such a difficult restriction. Oh, sarcasm. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so somehow... You've gotten so good at it that it's just right on the line. Like, it always takes my, a second for my brain to catch up. All right. So how much should we should we count a countercharge? How, how many cards or resources do you think a countercharge is worth? Okay. Right? So, oh, uh, before... We should probably define that first because oh. this is going to come in. So when we say something is worth a card, we mean that it is a card in your hand or on the field that you can make use of. So, for example, if you, uh, like, Jeffrey from Gold Paladin, where he puts himself in soul and draws a card after he boosts, it ends up being a wash because you lose Jeffrey, but then you gain a card in hand. But he is still worth one card because you 
gain a card in your hand as opposed to mm. Jerry, the stand trigger, where he puts himself in soul and counter charges. So you don't get an immediate benefit, but you open up the possibility for other cards to do whatever it is they want. Um, yeah. In to general, keep it simple to yeah. start with. Uh, because I, I know uh, a lot of listeners might be thinking at this point, like, oh, but it's not quite, you know, clear for every clan. It's not yeah. one one specific card doesn't equal one random card, you know, these kinds of things. And that's, we're, let's just keep it simple for now, and we'll get into the, uh, uh, what's how do, how do I say, uh, specific stuff later. Mm-hmm. But go on, sorry. Okay, so... Uh... I think, like you were going to say, like to, I think to keep it simple, we should define, you know, a card, like either getting you a unit or a card in your hand, should mm-hmm. count as a card, and something like soul or counter blast counts as half a card, mm-hmm. like an unflip. Um, that that's how I use it. That's how I think of it. But again, it varies from clan to clan. Like for example, in Pale Moon, a soul charge doesn't really help you much because that's what the clan does anyway. So it's just kind of redundant. Um, and then, you know, by by contrast in... What's something with a good unflip engine? <laughs> I can't remember. With a good unflip engine? Yeah, like like stupidly good. Oh, uh... Yeah, it's, it's like, like the best example for this. I mean, Gold Paladin does come to mind, but they also counterblast a lot, so it's just the unflip engine is good for what it is. Um, you were saying like an unflip engine that's just way too good? Yeah, like where, it, where like, they, they can't spend counterblast fast enough. Uh, it's, not really... it's possible that what? Like Nova Grappler post-GBT-10 is in this position? Yeah, maybe. Um, and, With uh, excessive, uh, the counterblast problem like is much yeah. more rare. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that counts for like no, like Nova Grappler, where I, you know an unflip just doesn't quite have the potency it did a few sets before mm-hmm. played all mechanics. Um, Messiah does have a very strong counter charge engine. Yes, it does with uh, Sacrifice Messiah and the Chameleon that allow you assume, to assume you draw one or the other. Yeah. Um. In terms of that's another thing that uh, comes to mind in terms of like things being worth cards. That's what I think makes Gear Chronicle and the Three Paladin clans so strong. Is mm-hmm. like just by nature is that you can get the things you want just by what they do. Um, by you know the the way Time Leap works or calling, uh, you know calling Grade Twos ones Brave, top of the deck doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Whereas things like, uh, you know, Aquaforce, Tachikaze, Great Nature, you know, th- th- anything that has to draw into the its units to do the things they want, you know, it, it, it makes it harder to uh, have your just, like, resources gained by, you know, calling stuff back or like multiple attacks and stuff it it's just uh mm-hmm. it's harder for me right so i think like you mentioned a gaia and like if you want to talk about so everyone talks about how like gaia stride skill is like incredibly strong 
I mean, that's mostly you, and I'm. I do agree with you, though. I mean, I I would hope everyone would agree that Gaia has. I think Gaia has one of the best ride skills in the game. Yeah. And it just comes down to like like the value that you get out of one counterblast for his stride skill. Yeah. So his stride skill uh, retires two units, or like you give two units a skill that when they're retired they call themselves back. And the way this works for Tachikaze is a lot of the new strides have the engorge ability, so you can eat multiple rear guards. And so if you're talking about eating Garado Gigant, right? Normally you have to retire three units to gain 15k and draw a card, and then these things would call themselves back. Well, so normally you'd pay three units for a card and 15k, right? Yeah. So three cards for 15k power and another card. So two cards for 15k power, which is not great. Yeah. Because your opponent can easily spend two cards to say your attack does nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. But what this is saying is like actually with Grado Gigan and Gaia Stride Skill, the attack is free. You're paying a card for a new card. And this, you get to choose which card you retire. So it could be just a draw trigger. It could be, um, a, you know, a unit you don't care about anymore. Like you get to choose what card you're getting rid of. So that gives you a lot of value, saying that I'm trading a subpar card for a fresh card, yeah. which is a plus. Um, well, it's also a plus if you pick Baby Camaro, which when eaten gets you another card. And because if you pick that for Guy's Stride Skill, that ends up being just a raw plus one. Uh, yeah, so once we, if we tag on baby ca camera, we're paying two counterblast for a plus one and an extra column attack, which is a big game. Yeah. So two counterblast for a plus one was the old value back in ye olden days of Vanguard. So in ye olden days, you had cards like, uh, on hit counterblast two draw card. You had cards like on play of a grade one 5k soul blast two draw card um you had things like on play soul blast two counter charge two I, i'll buy i'll be it later and an, a nova grappler had an on play counter charge one right but what's great about 7k grade ones that have like effects like that is that you pretty much still have like a useful unit what do you mean? Oh, like... It's know. not substantially different than an 8K in most matchups. At yeah. least now. And you get a free, like, useful thing out of it. This yeah. is what makes grade 1s with abilities so good in, like, m almost every deck. And th that's is why that... the idea of, like, 8K Vanillas is outdated. Right. So 8K Vanillas were really strong when people were still playing things like cross rides or 8k grade twos like then then 8k vanillas mattered a lot more like back when ott was good you know they would have to play 8k vanillas to make silent tom hit numbers against 11k vanguards but now pretty much everyone plays exclusively 11k vanguards yeah so having the 8k vanilla or even having like 12k attackers or something like that is just not relevant yeah and then Another thing with the 7k with abilities, uh, another good example of this is in Great Nature, you have uh, Coiling Duckbill and uh, Mike Savaro, Mike Saburo, Mike, whatever you want to call it, that when they're mm -hmm. placed, you give something, uh, the red text, that when it's retired during your end phase, you, in the case of Mike, search at rate 3, in the case of Duckbill, draw a card. So what happens is you are playing a bunch of cards from your hand and picking something that you're going to give more power to. And power is another thing to keep in mind because, you know, the the way guarding works is you can take more cards out of your opponent's hand by, you know, going up in increments of five. So 
by putting you know multiple dopes or you know power things on your uh, rear guard when it dies you then you know get the same amount of cards that Mike and Duckbill were worth so you're losing you're um, you're replacing them in your hand um, and then on top of that you like the the thing you know that died from the field is getting replaced in you know in your hand so you're gaining resources while you know losing something for minimal cost um yeah it has the same kind of thing of the tachi scenario where you get to choose what you get rid of yeah but you have the bonus where like the first mike saboro or duck bill is like a break even and then every additional one is now value yeah and then the in your early game, if you have multiple of these, they're hitting 14, which is hitting, you know, uh, of like your opponent has to guard with a 10k shield uh, if they're on grade 2. Mm-hmm. So that that's what makes them so strong in the early game. In the other direction, though, uh, Boucher Road seems to overvalue power when it comes to Dimension Police in uh, what we just mentioned, like, you know, however many minutes ago with uh, Grand Gallop. Where mm-hmm. you're spending resources, counterblast, rest, uh, you, you know, getting rid of cards, soul blasting, for power that is going to go away. And unlike Great Nature, it doesn't refund you for doing this. Yeah. So this, I've never, I never, don't really understand the direction they want to take with Cosmic Heroes. Because Great Nature, like, power increases are free for the cost of, like, the cost of basically you're going to lose the unit later. But the way the effects stack make it work so much better. But... Stacking just raw power in Dimension Police doesn't is not really going to gain you advantage. And now, and like maybe a long time ago, before like Triple Drive, it would have gained you more advantage when people just weren't almost always guaranteed to have a PG. And like now, there's a deck that can almost guarantee they have a PG every single turn. Um, it's just like the power gains you put on Vanguard is not going to matter. Okay. Like, ever. <laughs> so, why, like, is it because the, you know, the resources you're spending for Great Nature will get refunded as opposed to just Cosmic Heroes where, you know, it, typically you're doing this on a stride, so the thing goes away anyway. Um, yeah. If it did that defensively, would that be better? Or... I mean, I think, yes, of course. I mean, you look at a clan like Angel Feather, you know, who does their gimmick both offensive and defensive. Or I, I'm caught, Well, I'm saying their gimmick, but I really mean as Nurse of Brokenheart. Uh, along with, you know, No Seal Grade 1, or along with Rescue G-Guard. You know, all these, like, they can just do their gimmick on their opponent's turn and still get, like, power effects from it. But Dimension Police... Can, has like a card that gets power in an opponent's turn, and the rest of it's like, man, I hope I get a trigger or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, stuff you have no control over. I think it should also be noted that uh, the idea of trigger thinning in general is often overlooked when people are talking about just card advantage, because triggers are you know, have the possibility of making your opponent waste cards by going two to pass and then you get two triggers, so the guard doesn't matter. Uh, They also are, you know, better shields in and of themselves, and lately they've uh, all, you know, 
a lot of triggers have been having these effects that you know are incredibly mm-hmm. important see most stand triggers that do things dreaming dragon belial except belial belial whatever so belial <laughs> so the the idea of trigger thinning where you get the things you don't want to drive check you don't want to top deck out of the deck doesn't really get thought of it's usually just an afterthought like oh i'm how, how, like, how did you double crit me? What are you talking about? I've been calling grade twos out of the deck all the game. You know, there's a higher chance but, of me getting crits. Yeah, with that being said, um, a lot of clans don't have access to that same kind of thing as other clans do. True that. And, so it's difficult, and it's also difficult to say, like, how much more am I willing to pay to slightly, to increase my chance of triggering slightly? Like... But Bushiroad, the company, I don't think thinks that way as term, in terms of cost. Because they're like, great, Counterblast 2, call unit. Now it's like, Counterblast 1, Soul Blast 1, call unit with a condition. Or Counterblast 1, call unit with a condition. Yeah. You know, or Counterblast 1, do something else, call unit, maybe with some condition. But they're, I don't think they're really thinking about people paying more for this ability to keep trigger, like, to have less normal units in their deck. Yeah. I don't think that's something Bushiroad thinks about, and that could potentially be why Paladins are just gen- more likely to be broken or better clans. Yeah. Well, I mean, that and the obvious that they just get better cards in their clans, just strictly in every way. Yeah. But I do think that it, it is something to be considered, that they can you know, find whatever they need to at any given time, depending on what plan it is. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, due, due to the nature of the clan. Um, another thing to be noted is I think this whole metagame of aggression has come about partially due to how, you know, crazy late games can be, but also because every, you know, deck starts out equally. You have your starter, you draw five cards. Every deck starts out the same. So with a lot of these, you know, variants with early aggression they have it so they can, you know, put their opponent against the wall before their opponent can do the things that they want to do. Mm-hmm. Which is why things like Tank Mammoth and, like I said before, Duckville and Mike Sabro have so much utility at any time of the game because it allows you to do whatever you want any time of the game. Sure. Um, and then that's the thing with GB1, too, where... Uh, you know, someone looks at that red symbol and they go, well, do I really want to run this if I can't do it until, you know, I hit grade three at the least? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the early, the uh, ability to play early game also just punishes people, you know, or decks that are forced to run a bunch of GB1 cards. Like, there are some clans that just can't afford to run cards that aren't GB1. Yeah. And so, like, these early game, so this GB1 has turned into a much bigger cost than I think uh, was originally intended. Yeah. We've it's, seen this for on decks like Ripples and uh, Grid 1 Rush later. Yeah. And people are going to keep doing that, which mm-hmm. are, you know, they're, they're going to try and find ways to win with, like, after getting around the, the normal thing. Dur- were you around for Legion era? Uh, a bit of it, yeah. Okay, were people doing like a similar thing of just you know stay on grade two or? 
There was enough limit break where you couldn't really do that. Oh, okay. So, so it's mostly just the stride era where, you know, you couldn't do anything without striding as opposed to Legion where there were, like, older cards still had that relevance. Yes, so in Legion era, there, there wasn't, like, like, people didn't, there weren't a lot of cards that were restricted to being in Legion. Yeah. So a lot of people's units just still had effects, even outside of Legion. Hmm. Where that's not the case now. Yeah. I don't know. I, like the 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 whole concept of like give me a box and I'll play to the edges definitely, uh, you know, comes into play as as the stride era came around. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when they start giving clans like so much support that like people look for ways to negate uh, the strongest clans' uh, advantage, and since the uh, the downside of Gear Chronicle for a long time was the inability to really play much at Grade 2, people were like, oh, we'll just never ride to Grade 3. Yeah. And, well, and look where that got us. We got us that world, that faded world where there was like three Aqua Force. The faded world? The world, the world, the U.S. or the, oh, sorry, the Western yeah. World Championship that gotcha. had like three Aquaforce players and something, a Metalborg, I think. Yeah, and that, that, was, that was the guy that lost in the finals. And Yeah, then you yeah. look at our last Worlds. Oh. Yeah, and that, that, was, that, that was, you know, not televised worldwide, but it was shown and that was the finals. And you could just see the kind of like hope draining out of the Deep Police player because he's like, well, I fucking can't do anything. That that world's yeah. spurred Bushi Road to make a card for people that, so like for people staying on grade two they can do something. And even then yeah, what's, like people what's, saw that and go, Okay, seven C's, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just grade one rush instead, yeah. yeah. Um so back on the topic of cost, so I think we should set down some baseline equivalences. Yeah. Uh that the game has kind of given us. Um so, like I said, the old style was a counterblast to gain a card of some kind. Yeah. Like somewhat repeatable. This was the original ones were on hit. Yeah. Um, you of course have the Luckbird variants, which are Soul Blast two draw card. So you're basically paying three K power, and three K power permanently, and two Soul for a card immediately, which and, is I think a pretty good trade. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people play Luckbirds if they have the Soul to spare. Yeah, and also it was just to replace the, you know, resource of of like showing up on board. And OTT has a lot of, uh, like, modern OTT has started doing that more, like Precious Ophidian and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Precious Ophidian now changes it to, um, if you have an orc, a vanguard with the oracle ability, and it's a 6k grade one, and you can soul blast one to draw a card. And that is not GB restricted. So they've equated... Uh, 1k permanent power and one soul with having a vanguard with the oracle ability. So they've just narrowed the focus a little bit. Right. So they're saying, okay, you need to be on an oracle vanguard, and there's lots of grade 2 oracle units that are worth playing. Uh, like that grade 2 guy that on attack kind of buffs one check top 5 for an oracle. Uh, and uh, the 8k, if you're at oracle, gains 2k permanent, gains 2k continuous, and then yeah. it's a special interceptor for oracle, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so both those are both solid Oracle Grade Two rides for the Ophidian to work. And what's cool about the 10K is that the Ophidian makes 16 with it. 
and w- it makes 18 with um, the other grade 2, assuming they find an Oracle unit. But if they're playing around 21 Oracle units, they have a 95% chance to hit one. That's good. Um, yeah, so there, so basically the on-attack counterboss 1 gain a card uh, with the restriction and... It's got to be a certain card. Some, yeah, some deck-building restriction, let's say. Okay. Um, which is kind of just a wildly different, which is wildly different than what how cards operated before. Uh, like, if you look at the original Alfred, so this is you know set one Alfred. This guy was on play counterblast three. Search for a unit. Was he any unit or a grade one? I don't remember. I uh, hear search for a unit and call it. I uh, hear King of Knights Alfred. Also, part I I think it was just act you could do it, but here let, let me wait for the page oh, to load. Maybe. It was yeah, act Vanguard or Rearguard, counterblast three, search your deck for up to one grade two or less royal paladin, call it to R. Yeah. That card. And that card was good. And uh it cost counterblast three. Old Dragonic Overlord, counterblast three. And these counterblast threes for Alfred was a card. The counterblast three for Dragonic Overlord was typically two cards out of your opponent. Yeah. Um but yeah, like these things are pretty nuts. Even for back then. Yeah. Right. For for back then now, it was yeah. Now, now people would never counter last three for two cards. Ever. Like, like if you saw a card and it was counter last three, draw two, or kill two units, you'd be like, no. I mean, like a good example of this is uh, Primavera Neo Nectar card. So mm-hmm. that's counter blast three, and you can get, or is it like up to five things? But because of the counter blast, counter blast three discard a card. Discard a card. So you you would get. Uh, Sorry, it. Uh, I, I I've gotten flattened by Alvin like six times. Hi, Alvin. And okay, sixty is more likely. Okay, so counterblast three. Choose five normal units. Put them on top of your deck and discard. Tax of Vanguard. If you do, choose up two of your rear guards. Search your deck for up to two cards with the same name. Call it the separate R. So you're paying. Uh, it, it, it. You know, if you're using my system of counterblast counting half a card, that is. Two and a half cards to get two cards, mm-hmm. um, which is you know economically better than the you know two counterblasts for one card, but still it's uh, you know not a lot of people like this. Um, I know our Alvin is kind of the only one I've met in recent memory who likes using this. He doesn't really like using it. He just has to sometimes. Yeah. But it it still does what he needs it to do, which is kill kill his opponent. <laughs> yeah, the counterblast three cost is very high. He uses it when he's very far behind for the most part. Yeah. Um, and, and it I, searches your deck for four cards, actually. Oh, two cards of the same name as each of those units. Yeah. So never mind. You you can. Uh... So you're basically paying what two and a half cards for four cards. So you're you're up a card and a half. Yeah, but what the what the bigger thing that counts here is all the bloom effects. Yeah, which which can you know it it's going off like fireworks back and forth and mm-hmm. you know the the everything's glowing and there's numbers going up like it's a slot machine and all that. Yeah, stuff. so as you start adding these the bonus sides, which is what a lot of the balancing difficulty comes in. 
is that a lot of abilities have like extra effects, right? Yeah. So like the old restanders uh, for Vanguard were kind of like like let's say the Shadow Paladin or Dark Rex were kind of like Shadow retire three restand a guy, yeah. you know, discard two restand this gain Swind Drive something like that, right? Yeah. And so you would be losing cards here, right? So like let's look at a Spectral Duke Dragon. It's retire three units. Um, restands, loses twin drive. Yeah. So you have one drive check. So you're losing two cards on, in this exchange. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, if you hit the ride chain, you plus cards to begin with. Yeah. And secondly, um, it's making your opponent guard again. Yeah. Which is a big game. Yeah. So, like, the in a vacuum, it looks stupid, but uh, it, it, I think the, the card, or I just blew sure it, assumes that. Due to the, like how gold paladin works, you would have enough rear guards to where you can just get more without much effort, you know. <clears throat> or or the if you can stack traders on it, and this is why things like next stage are so crazy because you don't really have to pay that much. Um, where you know like spectral dukes counterblast two sack three, this is counter next stage is counterblast one discard three, and you know the and because you triple drove you will always have the resources for that as opposed to Spectral Duke where you have to have the things already on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, the thing you're restanding isn't Next Stage himself. It's, uh, you know, the regular Chrono Jet, which, yes, it will... That's five drive checks, which is, I don't know if you know this, more than three. And uh, uh-huh. on top of that, e- both Chrono Jets have a benefit to being in GB2, which is either... 16,000 and guard restrict or a lot possibly a lot more than that which if used at the right time can just be like a knockout punch Mm -hmm. so one common thing is what's the value of making your opponent guard um and i think this is kind of a difficult question to answer so if you make the assumption that they're a five damage it's very easy calculations uh, if you attack for plot, you know, stage three, you know, uh, 11, 10k above their vanguard, they need a 15k shield to guard, which is a card and a half, say, right? A 10k shield and a 5k shield. And you can get it with the potential to draw to gain extra cards if your opponent doesn't have 5k shields. Um, then there's like the situation where there are four damage, where is this the attack that we're taking? Like, it, it, it gets. The value of a damage gets substantially less the lower damage your power, or the value of a of a high powered attack is substantially less the less damage your opponent's at. Yeah, I so, guess is what yeah. I'm trying. So, so, so if you're hitting for you know like twenty seven when they're at one damage by a rear guard, you just go screw that, just take it, you know. And they're like, oh, you got me. I'm at two damage now. Yeah. And that that that's why on hit effects have you know value, because mm-hmm. yeah you may like if you're at low damage it's not going to do much, but if you get another bonus off of it then that counts for a lot more than it did before. You know, like that stupid silver thorn grade too that can just go infinite if you keep taking damage. Holy fucking shit! I hate that thing. That and <laughs> and the grade one version. It's so like uh, sixteen. Yeah. You're like take it. They're like, hey, uh, sixteen. You're like, wait, <laughs> that wasn't there before. I need, I need to, I need to actually guard this. 
I think that's what made like all these decks with multi attacks uh matter because uh as the game increased card advantage in general increased where you know things are costing less and less you know see spectral dude versus next stage um so the i'm hitting for you know third like i'm hitting for 26 you know a few years ago and before the age of g guards meant a lot more than i'm hitting for 26 okay drop one card g guard we're good move on yeah assuming your client has g guards that can do that <laughs> p.s murakumo cannot do that yes um yeah, and that that's I think a really big uh a really big change is the fact like I think it's kind of underestimated how powerful G guards are. So if you have a heal turning into twenty K worth of shield, you're effectively turning one heal trigger into two into two cards. So you're gaining a card at virtually no cost. Exactly. Um, Which is insane. And yeah. if you look at some of the G guards that are like 10k shields right now, you're getting like a card and a half for no cost, or maybe a mild condition. Um, you, if you look at the Angel Feather G guard, if you hit a trigger, you're get you know you're gaining a whole you know not only a card immediately for you know counterblast. Well, I should I say counterblast one, but we know it's not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for quote counterblast one end quote, and. Uh, you actually gain additional cards because your vanguard is now larger. Even if you don't get a trigger on damage, if you have a broken heart anyway, you're gaining cards or, you know, fractions of cards by just these broken hearts existing. Yeah. So I guess cards also translate to 5,000 in shield, too. Right. So... And sh- these, sh- Go ahead. Sorry. These 2,000s you're gaining off broken heart can really mess up attack numbers. Aqua if your Force. opponent's setting up... Yeah, if your opponent's playing Aqua Force or, you know, setting up a bunch of small 11k attacks like Gear Chronicle or they have are somehow not paying attention and playing Grambler and didn't fix their columns already, then you can, you can, you gain a lot of advantage by making your Vanguard ever so slightly bigger. Like, you're, you can say, hey, I'm a cross right now. Hey, I'm bigger than that now. Hey, my Vanguard is base 27k. You can't hit me for the rest of the turn. You know? Yeah. Which is just insane. And so a lot of these clans that can afford to give up for stride are ones that can gain a lot of advantage from their G-guards. Yeah. Um, I think G-guards were both good and bad for the game. Good in that the you know person striding second wasn't totally just you know, clusterfucked. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's assuming they had it. But also it, it's kind of bad because uh, it's making this multi-attack meta. Um. Like, the idea of guarding just with a heal trigger on its own is agonizing now. Yeah. Like, if your opponent is rushing you at grade 2 and you have to guard with a heal to not die, it, it feels like you got, like, just ripped off almost. <laughs> like, even going back and playing Legacy format where just BTO 1 to BTO 9 and all the extra boosters. We gotta do that again sometime, by the way. Uh like guarding with a heal trigger it, it, it's like trying to unlearn years of abuse you're just like oh yeah i can just do that <laughs> i don't know i have it's no a... problem with it when we play that format yeah i'm just immediately settled in and playing zeal yeah. <laughs> <laughs> snug as a bug into a rug into a rug um i mean i think that format like managing cards or managing you know how many cards you know your attacks worth is just so much easier 
like PGs change up the math a little bit, but not like like you know PGs are still two cards. Yeah. Like there's a cost to using a PG, but G guards are pretty free overall. Yeah, and, and it's not just the multi-attack things that. Well, it's I guess I, this is more in the continuation of how they pushed everything to more multi-attacks. Is that you can't just play like large guard or strict vanguards anymore. Yeah. Unless they get like substantially large, like to the point where the G guards aren't good enough. I th- I think the um, the like line the line used to be, uh you know, 26 for the most part. Because that, w- mm-hmm. that would cost, you know, two 10k shields to be one to pass. Uh, Where, I think 21 was a bigger number than 26, but yeah. Um, it, well, I mean, like, hitting for 26 with guard restrict was, you know, almost a oh, death sure. sentence. Compared to now, I think you've got to hit about 41 or so. At least that. I, I think it's yeah. larger than that now. But uh, But yeah. Um, well, especially if you're one of the clans who has the 41 KG guards, you can just go, okay, Arlem, put two Chrono Kids back, guard with a 10K, you, we're fine. You mean one of the three main clans? Yes, one of the three main clans. I think the other problem with uh, G Guardians is just how uneven they made them. Like, if we look at the first Fighters Collection where G Guardians came out, so this was about a year ago now. Yeah. And you look at the G Guardian for a clan like Aquaforce, right? What is this, like first or second battle first plus 5k or, shield or something? Yeah. And then you look at the G Guardian for Narukami, which is Thunderstrike 1 plus 5k shield, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, I've, you know, they, you have to, they have to do something to get their 5k. Yeah. Like actively do something. Or have something be and, done to you. Yeah. And then you look at freaking Gear Chronicles. And it's like, let me put this heal trigger and another card I want back in my deck, and it gets 5k shield. Yeah. This is, like, not a condition. Or Dark Regular, Soul Charge 2. Or Pale Moon, Check yeah. Top 3, put something in. Like, it, it wasn't hard. Uh, like, it, the g guards were you had to either have something already there, like Murakumo, or mm-hmm. Shadow Paladin, or have something, like that your opponent can control to an extent, you know, case in point, the Aqua Force one, it it just created a disparity from the get-go. Yeah, like, some G-Guards, they help themselves. Like, the best G-Guard that Genesis has, Iris. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, let me help myself and guard your attack. And then there's stuff like, you know, Murakumo or Narukami, where you're like, you better meet this condition. Yeah. It's just like, Why? It's like these are so uneven. Yeah. I mean, compared to like the other, you know, clan exclusive stuff with keywords, I think Bushiro did a pretty good job of balancing everything to an extent. Um, you know, so- I'm I'm saying that the, I'm saying that's not the case. With like keywords? the fact that some of these G guards yeah. help the user in addition to guarding the attack and some just require a condition to guard the attack, you yeah. know, for 26k say, is really stupid. Yeah. Like, the Narukami one's not, your opponent binds a card from drop plus 5k shield. Which would have made more sense if you look at it in line with the Gear Chronicle one or the Genesis one. Or Murakumo put two things with the same name on the bottom of your deck. Like, you know, something. Yeah. Or put a normal unit on the bottom of your deck. You know, something, something, you know, something like that. Like, but it's just not. And I, and I, and I think that even from the get-go... G 
G guards were horribly uneven. And it, it sucks even more because when they followed it up with other stuff, they just made it worse. Like yeah, like uh, what's it called? Mur- Murakuma with your you move something to guard circle and then grab another copy of it from deck or something, mm-hmm. right? And then Aqua Forces. Okay, yeah, first and second battle. This is first or fourth or more. And I'm like, where's the third battle one only? Because that's usually, like, much like comedy, Vanguard has a rule of three, where the third one is always the, you know, the big attack. No? Fuck it? Okay, I guess I'm screwed now. Like, it it, <laughs> it just doesn't feel good. Um, oh, the old third attack against Aqua Force for 26k. Oh, the best. Yeah, that, that is... Well, because you usually go... it, You know, if it's Vanguard only... Or if it's Vanguard first, then you would PG that or take it or whatever. And then second one is usually to serve the third one. You either call the unit or call it back or something like that. And then just the third one is always the important one, which bought, which is so annoying. And necessitates the use of screw, which, again, is annoying because originally that was just put in that fighter's collection to pair with your 5kg guard. Mm-hmm. And um, it, you know, basically turned a random card to a 10k shield. Yeah. Which is fine upgrade. Like, grade threes lose a lot of inherent value later in the game, especially when you have in multiples. And so turning it into a 5k shield is almost like gaining a card completely. Or um, 10k shield, right? It, oh, yeah, sorry, it, 10k shield. Yeah. It's like gaining a card completely. Yeah. But um, you have these effects which aren't, aren't quite worth a card. Like, I don't think Soul Charge 3 is quite worth a whole card for Genesis. Yeah. I mean, it's probably like a third of a card or something like that. Well, in Genesis, uh, three Soul Blasts t- like, usually equates to one Counter Blast because a lot of things are like on, you know, on attack. Counter okay. Blast one, Soul Charge three. So, so let's say half a card. Yeah. So you're, so this Genesis this G-Guard is gain half a card, gain 5k shield. So gain half a card, gain half a card. It's gaining gain a card, basically. Yeah. Right? From the base 15k shield, which is already gaining half a card. So great, gain a card and a half total from your heal. Yeah. And then you'll get the DI one, right? Well, Soul Charge 2 is kind of like vaguely also half a card or something. Yeah, well, it depends on uh, where in the game you are because as, uh, as you get closer to that threshold of 15, it loses utility. And then once mm-hmm. you get past 15, this is, this is just like you know burning your own bridge under your feet. Yeah, I'm going to say half a card because there's some extra value at games with Blade Wing Sullivan. But, yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, so I'm just going to say half a card. So it has the same game of you know, gaining a card and a half. Yeah. Look at the Royal Paladin one. It's you know it's pretty free, right? It just gains a card, or uh, gains you know gains a card for free. Are we talking about Laser Guard, or are you talking about the uh, the, the the good one? Ingrain. No, no, the the even the first one. The if you have a great auto, yeah. if you have a great two plus five K shield. Laser Guard, yeah. And you're 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 generally gonna have a great two, so it's not as bad as some of the other ones. Yeah. And then you look at cards like you know, and it gains a card. And then you look at stuff like. Uh, Murakumo, where it requires you to have played a card on field, so, you know, it's, let's say you're down half a card, because it needs to be grade one or two, Yeah. in order to get a half a card, or, you know, even in order to get your full card, so you're only up half a card. Yeah. So there's, like, a whole card difference between the worst G-guards and the best G-guards for for, um... You know, one clan versus For the another. first run of G-guards. Yeah. Which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like with the United Sanctuary, the conditional ones, uh, Bushiro did a better job of like doing the condition than it did with other 
clans. Like, so Gold Paladin, you need to have two or more rear guards. Okay, I can do that. You know, mm-hmm. Royals gotta have a, you know, grade two. That's fine. Shadows, you gotta move the grade one to guard circle. I kind of get it in that it. Well, like at first it was stupid because people were like, "Well, I'm just gonna lose a grade one." But then when they started revealing the ritual stuff, that made a little more sense because then you're like, "Oh, cool! I can just feel a ritual." That one's like even more awkward. Like Shadows does call a lot of extra grade ones to their convenience. Yeah. But you're still, you know, spending probably a counterblast for this grade one. Yeah. So let's just say half a card just to call the grade one. Yeah. And then you lose the grade one, so you're down a card to gain a card. So you're like down half a card just using the G guard already. Yeah. But I mean, it's just like they they fixed it with plot maker at least. Oh, plot maker is the, you know, gain a gain, you know, a card and a half for no cost. Yeah, basically. Um, And then, you know, like OTT three or more cards in hand, three three or more cards in hand is not hard to do. Um, And then they also did well with uh, Amaterasu, which sucks Mm -hmm. because the rest of the clan is like, ugh, my god. Actually, yeah. that's probably a good uh, thing to switch to with um, with OTT's thing, where you know drawing cards doesn't necessarily equate to advantage. Yeah, so I have a little rant about this. Go for it. <laughs> um, in most card games, if you have say like a subs- you know like double the cards of your opponent, you're very very likely to win that game. Like if I'm if I see somebody playing a game of Yu Gi Oh. And the board position is like relatively even, and one player has like twenty cards, or I say twenty. One player has like six cards, and the other player has like two cards. I'm gonna assume the player with six cards is probably gonna win that game. Like, there's like a pretty decent percent chance the person with six cards is gonna win. You know? Yeah. If you draw like four extra cards in Yu-Gi-Oh, you're probably gonna win that game. And your opponent doesn't, you're probably gonna win that game. If I look at a game of Magic in the same game, if the board position is relatively even. And somebody has like five cards in hand, their opponent has like one card in hand. I assume the person is with the five cards is gonna win. Right? Okay. And now card advantages and everything. There's the ability to play the cards. So this is kind of what the uh, GB, GB1 gets into. Like if, if I if I'm playing magic, right, and I fill my deck with all these cards that I can't play till like turn five or six, and my opponent kills me by turn four. I basically had no castable cards in my hand. I cast zero spells that whole game. And my opponent just, you know, just punished me for it. In Vanguard, the cards that act like five and six drops are going to be the things that have, you know, restrictions like GB1. Or like grade three rear guards that might have effects. You know, these are going to be a little late to the party. And so you need to make sure you're not losing at grade two. And so there's some inherent value in that. Uh, the other point is that if you have, you know, say, like, five cards up on your opponent in Vanguard, th- it, you are not subs- that much more likely to win that game as you would be in, say, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic. And the reason that is, is because most strides in this game just do what they say they do. Like, having more cards is not going to improve your strides te- text box. There are only six spots on the board in which you can place cards, and cards don't move uh, move from the board that easily. See, in Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, There's 10. You know, well, there's not only are 10 spots on the board, cards leave pretty frequently. You know, you can you can Xyz a couple monsters, now you change two cards into one card and gain an additional advantage with the Xyz effect. 
You can play spells that just leave the field immediately. Traps, etc. Or, you know, yeah, you know, traps, uh, you know, popping your own continuous spells or traps, like, you know, a lot of decks do nowadays. And, you know, you're, ga- you're gaining advantage while making space to play additional cards. So these extra cards you draw are being used to gain advantage. In Vanguard, this is just not really possible. Once you play a unit, if you you can't get the you know the value of that unit without being unable to play more cards. Yeah, which that that's why it, like decks like Brave or Gold Paladin, it feels so like annoying to call over your own stuff to get more attack. Pillman too to call over your mm-hmm. own stuff to get more attacks, and because you know you're wasting resources to do so, and uh, the way deck out works in this game. Uh, you better be winning that turn. Yeah. Um, Murakumo, too, with Tenma. Yeah, I've seen a lot of games where uh, Royal Paladin just ran out of great twos to call. Um, but you look at the you know the top, I'm, I'm going to say top-tier clans, and by top-tier clans, I'm going to refer to specifically, um, well, I'm just going to refer to Night Rose and Gears and let everyone argue about what else I mean. Uh, there, there, there are probably one to two other decks in top tier at this point, but uh, uh, Sanctuary Garden, Luard. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, uh, I, I just want to talk about uh, Gear Chronicle and Grand Blue for a little bit. Is that these decks are unique in the sense that they can gain advantage while attacking. Um, they can mul- make multiple attacks like the meta dictates, but while either gaining advantage or conserving resources, they yeah. do not like Gears doesn't have to call over stuff to get extra attacks. Because yeah. their stuff just leaves. Grand Blue just doesn't give a shit. Because the stuff leaving goes back to where you get your resources in the first place. It's like yeah. it's like spending money at your own business. It just goes right back into your pocket. Uh, that's the worst analogy I've ever heard, but it's fine. Do you have a better one? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Moving on. Just because I don't have a better one doesn't make... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> but... Yeah, the Grand Blue is just like, oh, oh no, I have to retire my unit to make additional attacks. Oh no, I lost my, I attacked with Nightstorm and retired and called over a thing. Oh wait, it doesn't matter because I can get it back. Right all there. your all, all your units are probably dying anyway. And secondly, who cares? Yeah, like, like you're gaining additional attacks and they're s- still going to end up in a place where you can get them back next turn. Yeah, and then with I the- think. Time leap, it, it goes, you know, you can turn that just into, like, I think in the very rare case, the cost for, you know, getting the next card is the card itself. So it's not like you pay the cost for the new card and then just the other one gets, like, brushed away in the crossfire, kind of like uh, Brave, where you have to just call, you pay the cost to call your new card and it just kind of steps on the old one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I want to talk about time leap for a second in terms of, like, um, card call, card advantage. Yeah. So you start with a card. Let's say you start with Melum or something, right? Yeah. Let's say your board is like Melum, History Maker, you know, some stuff. And let's say your History Maker has enough power to hit your opponent's Vanguard, right? So you attack with Melum for 11, right? Your opponent plays, discards, disc, you know, guards the 5k shield. It's half a card. Your Melum turns into something. Let's just say let's just say you were not as unfortunate and you just call Urwatar or something, right? Then you attack with your history maker. Right? And your opponent has to drop another half card. So you're at one card. And oh, but also, also, you get to counterblast one. So now we're we're paying a cost here. 
to get rid of Urwatar into what? Say another Melon? Yeah. And then attack with Melon again. And then you, you get to but but Urwatar is in bind zone from rear, right? Yeah. So we get to draw two, put one back in our deck. And so now Ur- we're up two cards. And put Urwatar back also. So you can do that shit right. again. Which has some inherent value. Yeah. And then we get to do a similar shit again. So we're up like, you know, two and a half cards for all counterblast. And I haven't attacked on my Vanguard yet. Okay. Like, this is really insane. Like, this is using a counterblast, and you still have attacks to make. You know? Yeah. I can't tell if you're pausing for dramatic effect or you want me to answer. <laughs> no, I want you to respond. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, yeah, and then also the the whole thing where we're saying like half a card is 5k shield. Yes, uh, like, you know, where people guard with a 5k shield, I know I'm positive people are going to go, but I'm still losing a card from my hand. Doesn't that count as a full card? Because I had six cards in my hand, I guarded with the draw trigger, now it's five. Technically, yes. But as as well, because, you know, depending on the, you know, on the deck, half a card can mean a lot more to something like, uh, you know, Aqua Force, where you have to, you know, use the few and far between draw effects you have to get more mm-hmm. cards into your hand than something like Great Nature, where you will retire one and draw five. Um also, I th- like one of the best feelings is attacking for something and forcing your opponent to drop more shield than they have to. Where they go, okay, attack for 16 on your 11, and they're like, well, that's a really good on hit effect. So, guard for, or attack for 11 on 11, they have to drop a 10k shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gaining value because your opponent's overguarding. Yeah. And, yeah, you, you, it, was, it was good for you to mention that uh, the, it might not add up, but it makes the math, it makes uh, overguarding seem, uh, it brings a lot of attention to overguarding. Yeah. Which a lot of people just see, you know, a card's a card. Yeah. Which, you know, it's just good to be aware of that you can guard more than, than, uh, than the attack. Yeah, than the attack. Sorry, people are talking outside my door for some reason. It's okay. Um, what was I thinking of? Another thing to note is that... Uh, sorry, back to G-Guards for a second. Uh, if your G-Guard, you know, gets you a thing, and you're using... And you know, like, our friend Chris does this a lot, where he'll guard with Iris, playing Genesis, um, and Iris will equate to more shield than the attack actually, it, like, you know calls for but mm-hmm. he still wants those three cards in soul um and depending on right. something like usually you want to save that for well i have two taros and a gelia in drop zone and i want those in my soul so you may be losing let's say if they're attacking for 16 and you guard with iris so with, with the math we were saying this whole time that's one and a half cards that's 15k more shield than oh wait yeah, 15... No, sorry, 10k. So it's a card. It's 10k more shield than the attack called for. But you're getting back two attacks, you know, two soul. Or, you know, net one soul. So two two more attacks and a soul. Just on its own. I don't know how... Like, do you have a... a 
a value on how much an attack is without any like power on it? Um. So, what what we should look at is we should still say that the attack is worth half a card. Yeah. And your opponent and by Chris by doing this is giving up inherent value. Like let's say he just puts three random cards in the soul, right? Yeah. So the way you want to calculate this is you want to think about the inherent value of it, like how much more powerful it makes his next turn. Yeah. Like if he does this and strides like Doombrace on Fender, this is a wasted card. Right. Yeah. Like this is not making full advantage of that first turn play. Mm-hmm. But you know if he had you know barely you know two soul. Did Iris and then strode Vanergander immediately. I think this is a much much better line. Yeah, but this only works assuming you have enough damage. So, it's and and this is what I think makes um, Vanguard pretty difficult is how much are you willing to value your opponent's damage versus the strength of your play versus your opponent your your ability like how how much you're going to trigger. Yeah. I think this so is... You, Sorry, go ahead. If your opponent's at, like, three damage, right? And, you know, let's say, you know, you play some Coach Nohaz early, maybe you hit a stand trigger, your opponent's at three damage, first stride, you know, don't heal, whatever. And then you G-guard for a small attack versus Iris, with Iris, right? And set up a next turn Vandergander with your opponent at three, that's going to be much more punishing than setting up a first stride Vandergander when your opponent's at one. Okay. So I think the situation comes down to um, how threatening that first stride is and how many more cards you're, you're going to get out of that is worth more than waiting on this G-Guard. That's true. Um, we should, I should probably explain the reason for this episode even coming into uh, being, I guess. Sure. First off, I got the idea from watching a YouTube series called Extra, or the, the channel's called Extra Credits, but they have a series called Extra History, where they just talk about the stuff you may not have learned about in history class. And the episode in question that I'm referring to is something called The Resource War, where they talked about how the reason, like, Hitler was so aggressive in the early stages of World War II with, like, Blitzkrieg, Lightning Warflare, all that stuff, was because he did not have, you know, Germany didn't really have, you know, oil fields or stuff like that. So that's why he, you know, was really friendly with Stalin at the beginning of the stages. Just go watch it for yourself. But the point is, it got me thinking about in Vanguard, you know, what what is it worth to do this? What is it worth to do that? Um, and you should, you, you know, to the players out there, maybe think about this episode next time you're like, should I, killing my opponent's rear guard, how much value does that have versus going face? Um mm-hmm. And I've gotten a bit of a reputation for myself among my friends for just bullying rear guards a lot. Um, Even when you shouldn't. I know. <laughs> Best example of this was one time out of spite, I attacked someone's rear guard with Saint Blow. It's a thing. You can ask Gabe. Um, but yeah, so, so I know. <laughs> but just like keep, keep this, I you know, keep this episode in mind. You know, when you're at a regional. And don't try and let it bog you down too much, but just, you know, what what are, the, like, all the cards that are coming and going from my hand, Field, Soul, Drop Zone, etc., what are they worth? I think um, a good heuristic to apply this, yeah. and we've kind of outlined one with, like, so one heuristic is kind of like, you know, equating a 5 field shield with half card and one and 10k shield with a full card. This is a little outdated with G-guards now, 
but um, it, 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 it approximates the situation. Um, another good heuristic is think about what think about what the gate you want the game to look like after your play under normal circumstances. So you know if you're striding, you know imagine you hit a trigger. What is the game going to look like, and is it worth the cost of the cards you have now? Well put. Um, I don't know. I, I always imagine when they go like, think about what what would you want to do under normal circumstances. I'm thinking of that uh, scene from the Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr. where he's like, this is what's going to happen in the in like the biological boxing match, and then he just beats the crap out of the guy. <laughs> Well, what a lot of people do is they like to imagine either a really bad scenarios, you know, where things like, oh, I'm not going to trigger on five drive checks. Then what do I do? Well, that's unlikely. Or they imagine these other magical Christmas land scenarios where just everything they need to happen happens. Yeah. And but I, you want to. A lot of people want to have the Christmas land thing. Continue. Yes. And you want to imagine the most average scenario if possible. So the average scenario for any particular stride is getting exactly one trigger trick. Does yeah. the average necessarily happen? Uh, you know, not at all. But that's that's the expected trigger count is one. Um, I was gonna I was gonna say another point on this. I ruined your train of thought. I'm sorry. This fucking guy. <laughs> uh, the other what was I gonna say? Talking about Christmas land and, you know, imagining scenarios like the game tells you to. I don't remember. You don't remember? It's probably wasn't important. Don't worry, I can cut it out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so you, you want to just, you know, think ahead a little bit. Oh, right. I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, also, don't imagine like your opponent's going to make as many mistakes as humanly possible, even though they might. Yeah. Ideally, you should be, if you are playing a tight game, you should be doing this regard, you know, with your opponent making the best decisions. You might say, but Matt, there's some matchups that feel unwinnable if I, if I make the best decisions. I'm like, if they make the best decisions, rather. Then you're like, yeah, those are called bad matchups. Yeah. And if you feel like Grand Blue is a bad matchup with all of your decks, that's probably because Grand Blue is your one. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's how it feels with everything I play. Like, I hate playing playing James now just because it's, like... His decks aren't even Tier 1, though. They're like, just annoying. No, I was mostly talking about Night Rose. Chaos doesn't bother me too much. Oh, yeah, he does have Night Rose. I forgot about that. Yeah. Or Rupier, I guess. Rupier's got Night Rose, too. Yeah. Um... Although James's Night Rose is poorly built, you can get advantage there. No, oh, that's good. And it's not poorly, board, poorly, poorly built because he doesn't know how he should build it. It's poorly built because he's lazy. I mean, that's fine. Uh, to people, like, you guys haven't met James. James is uh, the guy who came up with RA, uh, the idea for the episode of um, the... Like, design what, Space. Design Space, yes. That was, that was his idea. And I want to have him on here at some point, James. But he keeps, he keeps saying, being like, I wanna, no, I yeah. don't think I know enough. Yeah. Which is annoying. And, and I keep telling him, and I keep telling him, not that we do this, of course. They just pretend that you know stuff. Yeah. I'm, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I pretend I know stuff. But, like, he'll talk your That was off. the joke. Okay. Man. 
I don't know. Like, I asked him what he thought of the new, uh, like, all the GV8s, like, with uh, the Link Joker one, and he sent me this, like, War and Peace novel of a text. <laughs> that sounds like something he would do. Yeah. Um, it, is there anything else you want to add about this topic, or? Um, I mean, there's still quite a bit that, um, like, there's there's still more to talk about with this topic. Like, you can discern from this um, how much things might be worth against particular clans. Like, against Spike Brothers, I don't want to be at very late damages early, because Mayhem Tiger makes it nearly impossible to guard later in the game. Yeah. So you should value your first several damage more against Spike Brothers than you should against most other clans, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want to think about what your opponent's clan could do and how much you being at five damage is worth to them. Yeah. Also, certain units have uh, more more value than others in certain clans. Example: uh, If you're playing against Aqua Force, take out that title assault. That thing is, you know, very much the pillar keeping that building up most of the time. Or Foivos. Foivos, uh, Tank Mammoth in Tachikaze, uh, Crayon Tiger. Do you, do you have one of those from Murakumo? No, all of our regards suck. <laughs> oh, you kill Fugen, the starter. Yeah, f- yeah, because you're bouncing that back and forth. If, if you can possibly get, if you can possibly get him. If you have a clan that can get Fugen, you should definitely get Fugen. Yeah, Frog Raider. I've upped it to three now. Oh, yeah, yeah Frog Raider for sure. Frog Raider yeah, I've upped it to one. three. The reason I upped it to three is so I can use Murakumo's other shitty G-Guard, Shishi Yuzuki, to call it to Guard Circle, clone it from my deck, right? So that's two of them, yeah. and still have another one in my deck to draw and play. Oh, that's good. Uh, it is amazing. I mean, the deck sucks, but you know, having the third Fugen feels really good. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think it's interesting to note that the, the the grade ones in Shadow Paladin that are worth a lot are like they don't care because when you no. like you know they want them in there and they're 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 basically free cards anyway. Yeah, that's that's what makes the Luar deck so strong is that the grade ones that they do get they get you know their utility off of it right away and then if you kill them, okay, cool, I'll just put them back or they have more utility in the drop zone than they did on the field. It's a uh, catch realize that Shadow Paladin's at the point where they're like Counterblast 1, Soul... Counterblast 2, Soul Blast 1, draw 5? Yes. And... This is the point that Shadow Paladin's at. Yeah. And they can do this every turn. My favorite thing is that, like, like they don't really care if they trigger anymore. They're just like, I'm taking triggers out of the deck so I can draw more cards. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Like, you might call, um... What's that grade one? Uh, sword. Like, you might call your one sword breaker on, like, the first one just to get ritual. Yeah. Because I assume you had to ride a grade one at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, for the rest of the game, you just owl, 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 owl. Yeah. I mean... Owl is a completely unreasonable card, by the way. Yeah. Because it not only replaces itself as cost, so it makes retire a guy cost now zero. It also can be called out from... Lord your stride skill, skill. Yeah. every turn because it goes back to your deck, presumably. Yeah, so th- that's the gift that keeps on giving. Really. <coughs> it's um, herpes. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, just herpes. What, that, Dead that, pan. That's <laughs> the classic gift. <laughs> oh, the gift that keeps on giving. It is the glitter of Vanguard. 
please. Yeah. <laughs> Claire's. Um, Claire's is a herpes depository. You know what Claire's is? That you know that sketch or I say sketchy. That's not what I mean. Trashy is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Store on the mall that sells. Lo- oh, oh no, you're from Santa Monica. You probably don't know what a mall is. I, um, I know what a mall is. The West Side <laughs> Pavilion is a thing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So it, they they probably don't have a Claire's. Is is the no, one they, I really want? They do not. It's just they sell a bunch of glitter and like stuff like and like you know I not mean, craft shit, but like. Like makeup and accessories, but with more glitter than necessary. Oh, okay. So, so like if he took Forever Twenty One and just cranked that shit up to max, like yeah, when Spinal yeah, like Tap. Forever Twenty One is like very, is like very, is like very, is like fine, right? Yeah. But like this place is just infinite glitter. The place. <laughs> and fa- sequence. My favorite thing is that this that whole like you know bit of conversation was go- like we have nothing to say from that. That was not. Uh, like that that wasn't circling back to a point we're just running in the other direction yeah but uh i i guess i I guess i I should say this uh vanguard is reduced like the whole stride era what it's really did is started reducing the costs on things that they've already been doing like calling units is now much much cheaper because it's on a stride the g zone is now a resource yeah which pretty much uh halves the counterblast cost or whatever you had to do before yeah, and, and oh, actually, that's probably a good uh, thing to mention because, like, the the whole thing of like, oh, GB two, GB three, G guards made that quicker, where you can go, mm-hmm. okay, I'm in a G guard, I rush you to you know four in grade two games, striding the dogma, it's death time. Yep, the first stride dogma is pretty good. Yeah, and like dogma is in effect, you might have paid counterblast, you know, two or three, four before, but since stride now you pay no counterblast i mean instead you pay counterblast for other things i mean you do have to eat the five but like you know with with gaia's stride still that makes it three and then if you if any of those were tank mammoth two etc camera yeah camera it it, you know in in magic christmas land okay i'm gonna start using christmas land more often in christmas land uh your field is mammoth camera two things you call with uh gaia so Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What I like most about so one problem I have with like, and this is kind of off topic, but maybe and maybe I shouldn't say this now. I mean, we just talked have, about Claire's, so you go off as sure. off topic as you want. <laughs> <laughs> that I have with like Fenner for Genesis is yeah. that the, all the strides are kind of constructed. No, thinking you have to have be on Fenner. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of the new Genesis units don't really soul charge by themselves. Yeah. Um, the other, but if you look at Dogma, it does work favorably with Ancient Dragons due to how the heart card retains name. Yeah. Or gains the name of the heart card. So, the Dogma is actually still working with older versions of Tachikaze. Yeah. Which is pretty nice. I think Dogma was a very well-designed card. Yes. Um, I don't know. It's 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 very powerful, but fair. Yeah, it it, it seems like they, they got their shit together with Tachikaze. With that whole tech booster, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I'll just say the whole tech booster. Nobody plays Nubatama, so I don't need to. I don't need to bring it up. Yeah. I don't know. But when the TD comes out, everyone will play Nubatama. Yep. Oh, and uh, this resource thing kind of goes. Kind of. Uh, I went, the point I mentioned about uh, cards in hand not being, not 
Like they they have defensive value, but they don't have offensive value. At least not until your turn. Right. Well, even then they might not have offensive value. Yeah. Um, which is why this whole hand, uh, this hand finagling aspect of Nubatama was not very favorable. It's because you're like you needed to, you needed to put your opponent in a situation where you could kill them. Yeah. I mean, it was basically the equivalent of like your clan. You know, comparing to Udio here, it would be like your clan having random MSTs going off all the time. But does MST negate? No, it does not. But okay. it's not like you have stuff that can negate the MSTs going off. But if my opponent activates Tanky, MST it negates it, right? Tanky is what again? Uh, fire formation Tanky. On act- it's a continuous spell on activation. Search your deck for a, a fire fist. Add it to hand. Well, I think All because fate. I think because it's or a, no level four yeah. beast warrior. Sorry. I think because it's a continuous and Re- that 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 is in fact. Why? Okay. But and then change. I just like asking the question: Does MST negate to trigger Yu-Gi-Oh players? Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, well, I don't really have anything else to say, so I guess uh, you know, stay smart. Think about what we said. We love you. We'll see you next time. I was Atlas, and I'm Matt. And have a good one, everyone. take the time to thank anybody who found this podcast uh i also recommend sharing it with your friends family anybody who likes vanguard uh you can find us on soundcloud or on your podcast app that little purple thing that goes in the folder that of the stuff you can't delete like stocks who uses stocks anyway you can also tweet me atlas novak so at a-t-l-a-s-n-o-v-a-c-k you can also tweet at nexus at night n-e-x-u-s-a-t-n-i-g-h-t or you can tweet the Nexus Core YouTube channel, so at N-E-X-U-S-C-O-R-P-S. Be sure to check out that YouTube channel. Uh, we have, you know, card fights and deck profiles and all that good stuff.